It's 5 p.m. 5 p.m. You're stuck working and disconnected from the sports world. What the hell is going on? Don't sweat it. The OG will catch you up on the biggest stories, the latest developments, and let you know who said something dumb on social media today. I just tweeted it. What's trending is now on the OG. Alongside Joe Giglio, I'm Joe Obius. Dennis Cox is the producer of this program. Apparently, people are, some people, some people are trying to make the curse of K a thing. Jillio and I can't be anything but amused by such an attempt. We'll get into that in a little bit. Let's log on to the internet, shall we? It's brought to you by Geico. you got a choice of ways that you can save on car insurance. Call 1-800-947-AUTO. Go online to geico.com or stop by the Geico office nearest you. Let's get it. We have the four finalists for the Heisman Trophy, Joe. USC quarterback Caleb Williams, who is the odds-on favorite to win the award. TCU quarterback Max Duggan. Ohio State quarterback CJ Stroud. And Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett, the 28th. (laughs) It's all quarterbacks. Hmm. They'll be in New York on Saturday. Williams is the favorite at minus 2,500. What that means to you, gambling novice Joe, is you would have to bet $2,500 to make 100. That sounds like a bad deal. It sounds like a bad idea. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't have that money to begin with. Yeah, this sounds bad. So I, I would assume that uh, you're in with the betting favorite. I'm technically, as a Heisman voter, I'm technically not allowed to tell you who does I anybody, voted for. Does anybody care? A man has to live by a code, Joe. What are they going to do? They're going to take it from you? There's like a bazillion a Heisman voters. Like, I, I, like low key, I always am amused. Now, I am not a Heisman voter. But I feel like that actually gives me more street cred than actual Heisman voters because there's so many Heisman it's fair. voters. It's totally fair. Um, I will tell you, yes, I, I have the favorite on my ballot. Okay. I do not have the other three quarterbacks, though. I, so when you vote, you just vote for three people. You vote you vote one, two, three, and that's it. I'm just impressed your vote went through. And I'm happy that my vote went through. I'm, I'm happy that I remembered <laughs> yesterday before the deadline. You're on the phone with IT support yesterday at the yeah. Heisman Trust. I will say I overheard I, that phone call. I will say I did. Drake May was on my ballot, and there, I had a running back on my ballot too. Yeah, but this is essentially the Davy O'Brien Award now. I know it's the weird. Heisman Trophy. Also, Hendon Hooker, who people are mad about, yeah. was not on my ballot. I did not vote for him. But the, you know, look, Mac Brown, head coach of North Carolina, is absolutely right when he talks about it being a team award. Usually, the quarterback on a team that does well ends up being That's in the part Heisman of it. Trophy. I think. That's definitely part of it. And putting up numbers always helps too. I do feel like Hendon Hooker makes sense, but here's the thing. We've kind of bled over into what is viewed as a success and what isn't viewed as a success, right? So, like, we see this in award show. It's the the cliche. It's just an honor to be nominated. Sure. And I agree with that. For instance, you are on the finalist list for the NSMA North Carolina Sports Broadcaster of the Year. Like, that was a proud dad moment for me well, to see me you too. on that list. Okay. And I appreciate that. Do I expect you to win? No. No, because usually it goes to play-by-play guys. Yeah. Gold won it last year, which, awesome for him. So, I still view getting nominated or listed in that finalist list as an accomplishment. 
We see this with Oscars. We see this with the Final Four to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. Hey, man, you want the last four teams standing? For some teams, that is the big accomplishment for your program. So this has extended itself to the Heisman a little bit. So if you're not invited, it's viewed as some sort of failure for the player. Listen, and I don't see it that way for Hendon, Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker had a, had a great season. He had an unbelievable game against Alabama. He did. But he, first, he did get injured, so he didn't finish the season. That's number one. And I'll also say this about Hendon Hooker. As good as he was against Alabama, he was very, very, very average against Georgia. And that's a game everybody watched. All right? And you might say, well, Joe, that's not really fair. Georgia has the best defense in the country. Mm -hmm. Maybe. But then how do you explain Garrett Nussmeyer? I'm sorry, who? Who? Yeah. Garrett Nussmeyer, LSU's backup quarterback, threw for almost 300 yards and two more touchdowns than what Hendon Hooker did against Georgia. So in my opinion... I'm not going to vote for Hendon Hooker just because he had a gr an unbelievable game against Alabama. You people, have to do a little bit more. That's when people get obsessed with the Heisman moment. Like, that sure. was a knock on. Had, let's say that North Carolina goes the regular season with just one loss to Notre Dame. They beat Georgia Tech. They beat NC State before they get beat by Clemson. I'm guessing that Drake Mays in New York because of the numbers he was putting up. But when people talked about his actual chances of winning the Heisman, it was usually used as a, well, he never had a Heisman moment. Well, you do have to have a game where you're in the spotlight and, and you impress voters. And that's where Hendon Hooker gets in this conversation sure. because of the game against Alabama. Next up. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. It gets the people going. That's, that's Coach Prime for you. That's Coach Prime. Deion Sanders leaves Jackson State HBCU to take a Power 5 job with Colorado. I viewed this as a, hey, you know what? Good for Dion. Here's a guy with no head coaching experience, takes uh, an opportunity at Jackson State. They win at Jackson State. It was only a matter of time before a Power 5 school was going to take a chance on him, throw him some money, and bring that prime vibe to the school. Ends up being Colorado. End of story, right? Nope. This one has some nuance and layers to it. A lot of it does have to deal with HBCUs and people's misunderstandings about where HBCUs are. And as Bomani Jones highlighted on Game Theory at HBO last season, this weird notion that HBCUs could actually compete with the Power Five as though it's a good thing for HBCUs. Well, no, you basically just create yet another environment that doesn't actually empower players. Uh, and when you combine that with the current state of finances for HBCUs, who are you really helping in the grand scheme of things? So like I said, this is a much more layered, nuanced conversation. But at its base, Deion Sanders did what other college football coaches do. They sell you on their vision. They sell you on what they want to do with the program and how you're going to be a part of changing that program. And then eventually they leave for another job because they're bettering their situation. Now, when I say it, I'm sure people roll their eyes. That's why we go to somebody like Bomani Jones. Uh, when he says it, well, people listen. Like on CNN today, we basically laid out that Deion Sanders did what a bunch of other college football coaches do. Deion Sanders spent the last 35 years telling us there ain't but one Deion Sanders. And now he's telling us, go find somebody else to do what Deion Sanders does. You can't have this both ways. I don't judge him for taking the job at Colorado. They probably increased his salary by something like 15 times, mm -hmm. right? I totally get that. It all makes sense. 
But what he did was something that college coaches do all the time, which is you have to sell people four-year, 10-year plans when your plan is always one year at a time. That's the only way that you could really pull that off. And so he came in and he sold a long-term vision for what was going on at Jackson State, but his goals and ambitions were always to be a Power 5 head coach. My take has always been he went to Jackson State primarily because he wanted to be a head coach but didn't want to ever be anybody's assistant coach. So he had to find somebody that would give him a job and make him a head coach and so he could have that on his resume and then he could take that to try to get the job that he actually wanted. Jackson State was the place that could do it and he did a lot of good work while he was at Jackson State. But all the bigger grandiose notions of what he was doing for somebody else, no, it was what it always is. He did it for Dion, and that's fine if you don't tell us that you're trying to do this for somebody else. So that's Bobani Jones on CNN earlier today, and he doubles down. He's like, he does not blame Deion Sanders for the move, which has been kind of used against Deion. Like, Deion's a sellout for, for moving on from HBCUs. People are getting on Bobani Jones today for saying this exact same thing. But here he is saying, look, I don't blame Deion for doing this. But I think the magnitude of the financial disparity is so much greater than anybody realizes. I think the magnitude of the financial disparity between HBCUs and other FCS schools, the smaller division in Division One, is bigger than people realize it is. So there's room to criticize him for the way that he has left and for the fact that his initial rhetoric is not in line with his ultimate. Well, what would you have him do? What would you have the man do? Oh, well, I wouldn't have come in in the first place and said that God sent me here to fix HBCUs and God decided that in the middle of it, you were supposed to leave, <laughs> right? I mean, like the thing I've said is maybe God wants 10% of 5 mil and not 10% of 375. If God can do math, I can understand why it is. He sold a dream and then walked out on the dream. People have the right to be critical of that. I also would have taken the job that he took at Colorado, right? It's not a judgment of the fact that he took the job, but this is not in line with what he told us for all these years. That's Bomani Jones on CNN. Can't disagree with anything that he said there. Next up. Jeez, the Tennessee Titans were the number one seed in the AFC playoffs last year. And life comes at you fast. Life man. comes at you fast. The, the Titans have fired Joe Robinson, their general manager. This is after their 35-10 loss to the Eagles. Joe, um... Is Joe is, is David Tepper now like firing everybody across the NFL or I mean this guy at least has had some success. And again, I've mentioned while they're seven and five, they're still in first place in their division. I know. I know. Yeah, I don't know the full de- I just saw that news come across, so I'm not quite sure what the details are as to why they're deciding to move on. I mean, losing the Eagles, there's no shame in that. Maybe they're just kind of looking at what they got in the future, and they don't want to have him make the decisions. I guess part of it is they didn't re-sign receiver A.J. Brown, who then, of course, turned around and really rubbed it in this week with with the Eagles. Well, it also helps, too, like, no knock on what they got right now, and it's worked out for them, but that's a running team. Right. Okay, that's running in defense, and what – A.J. Brown's working with right now and Jalen Hurts, he's on another one. Jalen Hurts, Tua Tungavailoa, these guys are absolutely balling out and the wide receivers are benefiting from that. It's a mutually beneficial relationship, by the way. Like, you can't have one without the other. You're just kind of upping the game. We saw this with Tyreek Hill in Miami and it's paid off dividends and we're seeing this in Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts. What are the Titans exactly known for? It ain't that. No. It ain't that. Next up. Number two. So you like to have your basketball death rules, right? Like if your life is on the line, you get one coach to coach yes. a basketball game and they have to win. And that right. guy is in college basketball right now. Oh, right now? Right now. Oh, it would be my man Mike Young. Mike Young. At VT. 
I'm with you on that. Yeah. Mike Young's a hell of a coach, man. Hell of a coach. Scheme him up. Dude basically won an ACC tournament title with Wofford players. Mm-hmm. All right? That's impressive. In football, if we applied the death rules, would Tom Brady still be in your pool of quarterbacks to select given that he had yet another comeback win, this time against a bad Saints team? I think if it was just the final two minutes of the game, Mm -hmm. if it was the two-minute death rules, it's got to be Tom Brady. Not Patrick Mahomes? Nope. It's still got to be Brady. Still Tom? It's still got to be Brady. Mm, I don't know. In that little window, it's Brady. I don't know. Here's Tom Brady last night on being on the right side of a comeback to get them to 500. It was good. You know, it's just, uh, two, you know, we had a lot of games come down to the end, and some we've won, some we've lost. It's just why we're 6-6. Six and six. So, not where we want to be, but we'll keep fighting. Shout out to the Monday Night Football Graphics Department. They have some killer graphics on that show sometimes. And they did the Spider-Man pointing meme for all the <laughs> NFC teams. South, yeah. For all the NFC South teams. So you see Sam Darnold pointing at Tom Brady. Tom Brady is pointing, you know, in Atlanta's direction. And you got New Orleans. What was it? Andy Dalton was quarterbacking for them last night. So the NFC South is bad. So I'm not – it's almost like I have to grade this latest Tom Brady comeback on a curve in that who are you doing it against? A division that cannot get out of its own way. And this is actually the maddening part for the Carolina Panthers being where they are right now. They're not completely out of the running for the NFC South. It would have helped if New Orleans won last night and they would have been one game back. But at 4-8, and eight, they're not out of this. I mean, they did beat the Buccaneers earlier this year. But, man, the, they're still stuck with Sam Darnold. Man, had they actually, you know, they could still have Christian McCaffrey if they, if they, if they were in contention, but they're not. And it's just yet another example of the Panthers getting things so wrong that they could not be in position to take advantage of the rest of the division coming back to them. That's on David Tepper. That's on Matt Rule. That's on Scott Fitterer. There's a lot of people to blame and where the Panthers are. And despite all that, they still have a 9% chance of making the playoffs. It's pretty impressive. Nine. 9%. Not terrible. No, absolutely not. So you're saying... There's still a chance. They're two games back in the division with still plenty of football to play. So, stranger things can happen. Next up. The number one story of the day. We're number one. We're number one. So, North Carolina women's soccer has won 21 NCAA tournaments, but it's been about 10 years since they won their last one. And last night, the stakes were high against UCLA. They were trying to go for NCAA tournament number 22. But there was a controversial call in front of the net. UCLA ties it up two apiece with 16 seconds left to go in regulation. They go to two overtimes. UCLA ends up winning 3-2. Mind you, Carolina had a 2-0 lead on UCLA with 10 minutes to go. And they tied that thing up with 16 seconds left. Again, losing in overtime. I thought there was goalie interference at the end of regulation. But that's not reviewable. Thus makes it moot. But there's another part of this conversation that I find fascinating, and I think it's time for somebody to get on the Real Talk Express next. So North Carolina loses in the NCAA Women's Soccer Championship last night at Wake Med Soccer Park. Awesome crowd from what I saw on television. Sold out, nearly 10,000 people. Exciting finish, exciting game, but it didn't go North Carolina's way. And this has led to an interesting pushback on people like you, Julio or the idea that 
Only good things happen to North Carolina. Here's a smattering from two of the more rational North Carolina fans that I know. Yes. Uh, Brian Barber, mm-hmm. who was the originator of Tar Heel Blog, which still goes today. Shout out to Al. This was from eight days ago. Brian Barber, I don't want to hear talk of Carolina refs or only good things happening to UNC. And then he retweeted that with points to sign. This was after the controversial call at the end of the game. This is from Doc Kennedy, another guy, part of that original Tar Heel blog website. Pretty active UNC guy on Twitter. Well, at least as a UNC fan, I can take comfort in knowing that the heartbreak of the last three weeks, including losing a national title on a questionable call with 16 seconds left, is only one one thousandth of what it's like to be a state fan on an average week with the gif of Bill Murray, Caddyshack saying, so I got that going for me, right? We could take it a step further. I don't know who it was that it tweeted, but you pointed out to me like, UNC fans should be owed compensation for the last three weeks. Yeah, if you're a UNC fan who has lived through the past couple of weeks, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Somebody from the Levitard, I forgot who it was from the Levitard show. I think it was Jessica who said something like, I'm truly believing in the Coach K curse, meaning you did the devil's bargain. You have the monkey's paw. You ruined Coach K's farewell tour. You literally ended his career in the Final Four. But at what cost? Where's Thanos when you need him, right? November 20th, North Carolina won the Field Hockey National Championship. It was their sixth since 2007 and their tenth. In the spring, mm-hmm. the women's lacrosse team won the national title. It was their fourth and fifth years, correct? Seven straight ACC titles, by the way. Okay. In the, bas- the men's basketball team, they were in the final four. Yeah. I want to ch- try to put this in perspective for you about, about North Carolina's men's basketball and, and Give you a little bit of history about the triangle, okay? Sure, sure, sure. In 1987, that's the last time NC State won the ACC tournament in men's basketball. Mm-hmm. At that time, North Carolina had more ACC titles than anyone at 10. NC State had nine. Mm-hmm. Since then, <laughs> since then, since that time, I just want to tell you this, okay? And and by the way, they had the same number of national championships. Yeah. They had two each. Yeah, yeah, okay? yeah. Since that time, North Carolina has won the ACC tournament Seven times. North Carolina has been to the Final Four 12 times. Mm-hmm. North Carolina has won the NCAA tournament four times. That's just since that moment. Mm-hmm. Okay? So they've had a few things. <laughs> now, getting specifically to women's soccer. Yeah. All right? I, I went to school with Damon Nehas, who is Anson Doran's top assistant now. And, and, and I feel for Damon... I feel for Anson. I feel for everyone in that on that oh, women's sure. team. Yeah, no, no. Because no, when no. you're up 2-0, and by the way, this is the third time in five years they've been the runner-up in that tournament. Mm-hmm. Okay, I feel for everyone in that program and everyone affiliated with the with the team because that's a that's a heartbreak. But to think that you have it and to work towards that goal. And remember, with women's soccer, like women's basketball, these 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 teams stay together. Mm-hmm. They build together. You know, these are veteran groups, and they really pour everything they have into this, okay? So for them to lose the way that they did is awful. Yeah. Okay? But as a fan, I need you to try to keep this in perspective. Mm -hmm. The UNC women's soccer team last night was playing for its 22nd national title. and Excuse me, NCAA title. The NCAA tournament has been played 41 times. Carolina's won it 21 times. Mm Mm-hmm. So this is not as if you've lived through some sort of hardship as a fan. It's been 10 years. As a fan. 
Okay? Yeah. Now, let's get back to men's basketball. Oh, no, Joe. Four straight losses? How awful. All two good teams, by the way. And, by the way, meaningless regular season college basketball games. Mm-hmm. So, what is the suffering there? Oh, but but football. We lost to Clemson. We've lost three straight in football. True. Lost the state. But you also won nine games this year. You won the Coastal Division. And you turned around the best quarterback in the ACC and set yourself up for next year Mm -hmm. with Drake May as, again, someone who'll be in the conversation not only for All-American, but the Heisman Trophy. So what did you really lose out on in football? You had a really, really good season. Everything is relative. When you're used to success and you don't get that success... Let me just. It can hurt. Let me let me add one more thing here. Yeah, I never use the luck word with Carolina. Of course, you can you can comb all you can comb through all of this stuff. Go through all of my tweets. Mm-hmm. I don't call Carolina lucky, and I don't say only good things happen to them. If you're going to quote me and you're going to subtweet me, do it the right way. What I say is, if something good can happen to Carolina, it will. And you watch this group next year turn around and win this thing because that, more often than not, has been what happens to Carolina. You called this because, out with Courtney Bangart and the women's basketball team after what happened last year and with Reynolds and yeah. everything else. What kind of group does she have right she now? She has a veteran group, and yeah. she's running hot. So mm-hmm. what I'm saying to you is I don't call Carolina lucky, and I don't say nothing good, nothing bad. No. I What I say to you is if something good can happen – it will for Carolina, and it usually does. And it's not luck. It is hard work, and it is talent, and it's having the right coaches. So you mentioned basketball. We mentioned football. I might add that baseball just won the ACC championship in 2022. They've been to the College World yeah. Series a bunch of times. That that ACC championship, somewhere Elliot Abbott's going, excuse me? I would like one of those. He had one until he scored no runs, no runs yes. against Duke. We mentioned field hockey. Women's lacrosse, six of the last seven ACC titles, last year's NCAA title. Women's tennis, it's not NCAA, it's ITA, Indoor National Championships. They've won the last three. Men's and women's ultimate, backed ultimate, club sports still. Like, if we, we didn't even include club sports, right. for heaven's sake. Pickleball, the hottest sport going today. They actually just sent a group to Texas for the collegiate championships. They won the pickleball club championships. So this is, this is, this is two things that, that we'll wrap with. Are you sitting down, Jillian? Are you ready? I am. You. What is the favorite thing you love to hear from me? What you're about to say to me. You were right. Because not that long ago, you, you said Carolina fans want it all. Yeah, that's what this comes down to. So the way that things have been treated the last couple of weeks with, oh my goodness, how terrible is all this stuff? Like, so you even need NC State's misery? Is you're coming for that too? Like you can't even let NC State just be the miserable group in the triangle? Like, oh no, no, we're so put upon in the heartbreak. State fans are looking at you like, what? So this is what it sounds like. This is what it sounds like to me. It sounds like a New York Times feature where they have a couple who's having to cut back on their budget because, you know, the economy isn't so great. Inflation's really high. So you you click on the article. Oh, have they talked to some like middle-class family <laughs> that has to really shut down, going to the grocery store, working those coupons, that kind of stuff. No. The New York Times talks to a couple where, like, it's a Wall Street bigwig and some art dealer spouse, and where they've really had to cut back on the budget is, you know, the house we had in Tahoe, we had to sell. And we just have to slum it 
by going to the the huge beach house in the Outer Banks that blocks like half the dune now. So it's really having to cut back. And I'm not making this up. There was a feature on a couple where the wife said, well, we just can't go to Italy like we used to when we want to have Italian food. Man, really rough. That's what you sound like. Man, it's been hard. It's not been that hard. Much to my surprise, the World Cup is still being played. <laughs> I uh, I thought after the U.S. got bounced by the Netherlands, the Netherlands actually won the World Cup. I was mistaken. Mm. I was mistaken. I'm being facetious here. Obviously, there's still interest in the World Cup because we have drama. <laughs> Ronaldo was benched today. Apparently, he's had an attitude problem with Portugal. Not a team guy. Uh, also went on with Piers Morgan, I think, last week and openly aired out the dirty laundry with Manchester. He's no longer with Manchester. So what happened today was they played Switzerland. They crushed Switzerland. And the guy who came in to replace Ronaldo had a hat trick. Yeah, Portugal doesn't lack talent. Somewhere, Bill Simmons has his Ewing Theory column ready. He might actually unretire from writing columns to give you a Ewing Theory take on Ronaldo, one of the world's greatest in his attitude problem, getting in the way of Portugal. Eight teams left. I suspect you will have at least a passing interest in Saturday's matchup between France and England. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Mainly because England is the NC State of the World Cup. They are. Yeah, they, they just have an 18-year head start on, on NC State. That's they all. do. They do. Um, England, although I, I, I have noticed that it's kind of subdued, the whole it's coming home has been somewhat subdued. I do. Well, it's uh, obviously, as we've learned at Ted Lasso, it is the hope that kills you. And when they couldn't win the Euro in the wrong year mm-hmm. that they hosted, because remember, the year they won the, the World Cup, they hosted it. Right. And that's kind of where this all comes from. And then, you know, they're in the Euro finals. They scored in the first minute and they end up losing anyway. And that's when people were like, you know what? It's, it's never coming home. <laughs> it might not. <laughs> it might not. We also got a landing place for Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield was released by the Carolina Panthers yesterday. It was his request. He didn't see a future with the Panthers. They're going with Sam Darnold and P.J. Walker the rest of the way. Panthers don't really lose much of anything. You only cost them $5 million. It was worth the risk considering that your starting quarterbacks going into the year were Sam Darnold and P.J. Walker. He is a better quarterback than Sam Darnold, or at least we thought he was. We got that one wrong. It looks like Baker Mayfield just isn't back to being 100% after the labrum and he's been picked up by the rams not the 49ers who but I the rams i think are actively tanking cuz they've lost six straight yeah but i don't even think they have their own first round draft pick this year so well what do you what do you have essentially you've sold out you got your super well, and they got their super bowl last year yeah. i think i think they'll take that every time and then they'll just go ahead but they've and... been in a uh, an acc quarterback blender they had bryce perkins mm-hmm. the previous week john Wal- from virginia bryce perkins and then john walford from wake forest so they take on the raiders on thursday night i, I can't imagine baker plays already i mean this is probably a move for the um december 19th game that they have with green bay we talked about Super Bowl hangovers. It seems that the team that won the Super Bowl is going through the hangover. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Which you and I both predicted would be the case. Matt Stafford going out with injury. was You knew it was a wrap at that point. 
And like a lot of teams that lose in the Super Bowl, it appeared as though the Cincinnati Bengals were going to experience that Super Bowl hangover. Plot twist. Yeah. Joe ba- Burrow. The Bengals overcame a reworked offensive line that looked shaky at the beginning of the season. They've overcome a Jamar Chase injury. He's back. And their defense is pretty good. And they had a signature win beating the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. That's three straight wins in this calendar year over the Chiefs. And now suddenly, you look at the AFC, Buffalo Bills have come back down to earth a little bit. The Josh Allen discourse has subsided. Patrick Mahomes is still the guy. Don't get me wrong. And the Dolphins looked very, very mortal in their loss to the San Francisco 49ers. Suddenly, Joey Burr back Top of mind. Back top of mind. So Super Bowl hangovers, not equally applied every season. 